Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast, all about money stories. We all have a unique relationship with money and an equally unique story about how that relationship made us who we are today. This season, we will be asking navigators in our community to share their tales. We hope these stories will help us all learn more about our common human experience and dig deeper into our own financial journeys. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have specific financial questions you would like people to answer, call us and leave a voicemail at 206-405-0182. We will read your questions and have them answered on this season of the podcast. We look forward to hearing from you soon. You know why you need Viv to be your rich BFF? Because she could tell you you're right from your left. After left writing her way out of Wall Street, that's what she did for every co-worker she'd meet. After seeing sus answers from scammers online, she threw on a cape to bring the real to you and I. So join me in welcoming TikTok queen, your rich BFF Viv. Please, my liege, tell us how you live. Welcome back to the Nabbit Podcast. We are so excited to talk money stories with Vivian Tu, founder of the popular financial literacy channel, Your Rich BFF. Vivian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. We are so excited to have you. And Viv, we've been able to talk before. I have been following your work on TikTok for a very long time, primarily laughing my derriere off, enjoying how you make <laughs> finance actually fun. It's really a pleasure to have you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to chat today. Uh, I'd love you just to kind of give our audience the opportunity to hear a little bit about your background, like where you came from, what your overview is, and then we're going to dig into your money story. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a first-generation immigrant home. My family is from Shanghai, and I grew up in the suburbs of D.C. I'm an only child, very much had both working parents. I was a latchkey kid starting probably the third grade. Um, Tell no on that. But (laughs) yeah, I grew up in a home that was very money-conscious. I think both Mm. of my parents being immigrants there's always been a big emphasis on saving. And that's definitely something that I've carried on into adulthood. Mm, I'm glad that you said that too, because that's usually the first place we go with it. Mm -hmm. You know, what was your relationship with your parents and money and things like that? But the starting point we want to go for is like, what was your first money memory? Like, what's the first connection, interaction you can remember having with money as a child? Mm. It's a good one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Um, I I had this piggy bank. It's it, I, for lack of a better term, it was actually it was actually like a baseball boy. Hmm. It was like a boy, like oh, it was like yeah. a piggy bank, but like there was like a little rubber stopper at the bottom, and like I remember just like collecting money, especially during like the Lunar New Year. I would get like red envelopes from family members, and I was just like so excited to like save and hoard my money. <laughs> As like as most like young children are when they're like shown the value of it. And, you know, I I would do all this saving and my mom and dad would say things like, Oh, that's your money. But then like I would get to the grocery store, I'd be like, Yes, I would like to use my money to purchase a, you know, bag of candy and no. it would still be no. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Nice. Uh, yeah, good attempt, but yeah. uh no. Um, but that's probably my first money memory. And starting to recognize like, hey, it's like important to amass money in my Mm. little baseball boy. 
That's nice. Amazing. That's nice and yeah. positive. Like yeah, I like that. Yeah. A lot of money memories <laughs> are like usually like, yeah, I started to realize that oh man, we don't have enough money. And like that's usually the yeah. starting yeah. point for a lot of people, but that that's yeah. cool. Like you learn the value of saving. It sounds like pretty early um even though you knew you had no freedom with said money <laughs> yeah but I, i'd also say that like to your point like that's definitely like a positive memory and like shaped the foundation of like my relationship with money mm. um i'm so fortunate that like that is not one of the childhood traumas i took away mm. however uh i will say that like my parents were immigrants they did not speak mm -hmm. english like, you know, as their native language, right. um, they worked very hard, but I grew up in an area that was primarily white, I would say upper middle class, like very well to do. There were other parents pulling up into the school parking lots with their fancy luxury cars. And like, that's just not something that my, my family grew up with. Mm. And, you know, I think I always recognize that like, oh, like, well, how come everybody else's mom gets to stay at home and, like, sometimes brings them lunch to school? But, like, why does my mom have to work? So I mm -hmm. think in some respects I had to grow up a little faster than some of my peers because there was a very acute awareness that, like, money was, like, a finite resource in my home. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. I'm so curious. When you say finite resource, was it that they had goals that they were working for and they – taught you kind of the immigrant narrative of like, we came to this country to make a better <laughs> life for you, right? You're like, or what was the actual, what was the diet? Like, was it just kind of by osmosis you understood these things or were there conversations around it? Um, my parents were really honest with me about financial conversations, which I'm awesome. so, so fortunate yeah, about because so cool. a lot of, a lot of parents aren't, but I think they probably erred on the side of being a little bit more conservative. I remember being like, in you know tail end of middle school like i'm at the mall with like friends like and it really felt i brought home a pair of jeans and they were 25 dollars from i want to say like paxson or somewhere and it felt like world war three happened when i got home oh no oh. and it was your money no it was like you know i had their credit card like i had my yeah. own money at the time but like i was like yeah i bought a pair of jeans and like it yeah it, there was like a blow up in my home. Mm. And, you know, I think my parents really were like, like, how dare you put that charge on our credit card without clearing it with us first, you have so much clothing, like, mm. we have to be really mindful about how we spend our money. We don't mm. like we like we apologize, but like, we are not like, millionaires, like you cannot be spending your mo like our money like this. And right. mm, there were some definite That's like stressful. negative moments. Yeah. yeah. Like, because as a kid, like you see all of these other kids and you just want to, yeah. you just want to be normal. You just want right. to like, be the same. Especially if you're yeah. in that kind of environment, like suburban DC, like, oof. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. nother kettle of fish. And yeah, I really feel for you. And I, so as you kind of moved through that, when you went to college, like what was the conversation? Was there an expectation of going to college and like education? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the big dichotomy of my stupid $25 jeans. You know, over the summers, like kids would stay at home, go to the pool, do whatever. And and you had a job. No, 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 no. This is the big, this is the big difference. Oh. My parents sent me to very elite 
math camps, camps oh, where I could spend the summer nice. like doing science experiments or writing and like pursuing like academic passions. And like wow. these were on big college campuses like Hopkins in the neighborhood. Yeah. And like these were not cheap. These were like three, four grand for a two week yep. camp. Oh, and, yep. and, you know, my parents felt nothing shelling out four G's for me to go to learn how to write at a college level and felt nothing about me learning how to do calculus as like a middle schooler. But like, <laughs> those, I can't get over it. These stupid $25 jeans, like, you know, <laughs> like, Why? You know, I mean, but, but I think that's like continued to be a trend in my life. Right. Mm. When I got my first car, I had, I drove this black Honda Accord there it must have been in like the batch of those hondas that was like recalled because like the paint was like chipping off of the ceiling like oh no. it was just like a beater car and i probably had like one of the lamest cars in the school parking lot and i was like wow like i'm really jealous like there are kids pulling up in bmws there are kids pulling up in like right Porsches, whatever right and then some of those kids ended up having to go to and there's nothing wrong with this, but they went to community college because they couldn't afford to go to a four-year institution for four years. Mm. Whereas my parents, the conversation we've always had was education is so important to our right. family. It's so important to my parents. It was always so important to me because I was a, a big nerd growing up. But their big thing was, if you get in, we'll make the dream happen. And wow. That gives me chills. Yeah. And, That's and dope. I unfortunately ended up getting into three of the most expensive schools in the <laughs> entire country. Because they invested in your summer school. Yeah. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I feel like cause and effect. You know, I'm, I'm deciding between like UChicago, Dartmouth, and Georgetown, all of oh which have, you know, $60,000 a year sticker yep. prices. Yeah. And my parents, we all sat, we sat down one night and I was like, oh, there's no way that we can do, like, there's no reality in which they're going to be able to help me with this. Like, I'm going to have to take out a bunch of loans. And my parents right. sat me down and they were like, we have it. And I'm like, <gasps> what do you mean? And they were just like, you're not going to have to take out a single student loan. My dad literally said, don't apply for FAFSA because he was like, even though some of these applications say need blind, I don't trust it. I'm like, okay, first of all, dad, <laughs> don't be a conspiracy theorist. But like, also like... <laughs> He, but my parents were like, this is somewhere we're not cutting corners. You're right. going to go to wow. one of the best academic institutions in the country. We're going to help you do it. And you're not going to have to walk out with crippling student debt. And that is truly Incredible. the greatest gift they could have possibly given me. And like, 100%. you know, it, I am so fortunate because that means I get to start at the start line when I graduate. I'm, right. not, yeah. I'm not starting 200 meters behind the start line. Like yep. I'm, right. I get to start from zero, which is way better than where most people start. Cause everybody talks about like starting at ground zero. Like, no, no, no. Most of you are like 50 feet in the ground and we have to talk mm -hmm. about how we're going to dig ourselves out of that debt. Whereas like, I am so fortunate that I drove my car that had chipping paint. I wasn't allowed to buy those stupid $25 jeans, but my parents said, <laughs> $250,000 for, you know, college, we can do it. We got you. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. That, and, and I I love that because that really speaks to priorities. Like, and value-based spending. 
Right, yep. right. And it's like they weren't trying to keep up with the Joneses. They weren't trying to, you know, fake it till they make it with appearances or anything like that. They were like, our job here is to give our child the best start that she could possibly have going into adulthood. And they smoked that job. Right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, and now they (laughs) salute and they produced like a financial literacy guru like someone who now teaches other people about it right right? (laughs) yeah so i'm curious of like with that background as you went off to you know life and college and i really love how they integrated you into those conversations about choosing the college and Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what what do you feel like you brought with you from childhood into college and kind of early adulthood and what were some things you felt like you had to reframe my my girlfriends in college always joke. They they always say and say, if there is a hustle to be had, Viv wants a piece. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I think just that absolute you know doggedness of working hard, doing everything I could is a hundred percent something that my parents instilled in me, and I brought mm. to you know college. I would go and. <laughs> take those scientific research studies and they would pay you like 15 to 20 bucks an hour to like literally like solve puzzles to be like, how quickly can you solve these? I don't know if I was like racing against like a lab rat or something, but like, (laughs) I don't know what the data was for. I didn't care. I was like, if I can make an extra 15, $20, like great. I'm in Um, there. (laughs) I'm there. Like sign me up. Um, (laughs) In addition to that, I think I had this massive ability to save because mm-hmm. for me I could always be like what's more important to me do I need to get this macchiato from the campus bookstore or can I make it at home and is that eight dollar eight dollars to me going to be worth more mm-hmm. um the big reframe came once I hit kind of like the latter two years of my college experience because I got my first like I started getting my first finance internships and mm-hmm it started to become very apparent to me that I wasn't going to get rich saving my money. Got to take that next step. You got to take that next step. And, you know, my biggest regret is that I did not start like investing my money at age eight because (laughs) your girl would be off on some remote island already. (laughs) Um, but, But, you know, I started to really notice that like, hey, like, my my peers, like my mentors at these internships don't talk about how much money they have in their savings account, mm-hmm. how much money they right. have in their checking account. They were constantly looking for ways to be like, oh, how can I invest in new, cool, esoteric assets? They were already all in the stock market, already all in the bond market, mm. you know, already mm. all in the real estate market. They were like, can I invest? Like, they're, they're buying art. They're buying <laughs> yeah. like- they're like, oh, let me invest in this, like my friend's company. Let me give them seed money. I'm right. like, wow, you're just handing out $25,000 checks, huh? Like, I'll take one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll get a good return someday. Yeah, right. like, I'll maybe. figure it out. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, I think that really framed what I wanted to do going forward. And the summer after my first internship on Wall Street, I opened up my first brokerage account. Wow. Summer. Yeah. Amazing. So did you go back? So did your parents talk about investing at all or was it really savings? And did you, have you ever gone back and had these conversations with them? I'm sure you have since you are, you yeah. like to talk about money, but I'm curious of like what their perspective is in retrospect about that element of asset and uh, investment and wealth generation. Yeah. So it, it turns out my parents were talking about me 
to me a lot about saving, but they were also investing and it just wasn't a conversation that was coming yeah. up. Oh, cool. wow. You know, That's cool. they, they saved for my college education, quote unquote, saved for my college education more. So it's a misnomer because it should be invested for my college education yes. in a 529 mm. account. <gasps> that makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> things work. <laughs> and, you know, I've even had to come back to my parents these days and I'm like, um, you guys are like in your 60s, like maybe your entire portfolio shouldn't be stocks. Like maybe we mm. consider some bonds now. Um, because, you know, I vividly remember 08. Like I grew right. up during that time. I, that, I was going straight into high school at the mm. end of 08 into 09. And yeah, scary times. There were some real scary times. And, you know, I think about it now and I'm like, that's right around when the $25 jeans incident happened. And it's like, maybe money was a lot tighter oh. than they were probably letting on. Right. Because of that. And they probably were very concerned. But investing is a conversation that we've continued to have. And, you know, I think they're very proud of me knowing that, like, I started investing quite a lot younger than they were even able to. Because when, when they immigrated to the U.S., for a while, it was kind of like, you know, touch and go, like hand to mouth. And for me, because of my upbringing, because of the values they instilled in me, because of the fact that I have this gold star, U Chicago, you know, elite education, that's never been the case for me. Right. I'm, right. you know, I was definitely, you know, there were some tough times when I first moved to New York and I had a lot of those frictional costs of like moving and like getting my apartment. But like, I never knew where I like I never had to worry about like where my next meal was coming from. And that's something my parents really did have to worry about. Thanks for listening to the Navit podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes and discover other incredible money stories. I think it's very remarkable that you seem to have an understanding of being able to take advantage of what your parents gave you. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about like saving in college and stuff like that, because I feel like that's a mistake a lot of kids make, you know, their parents pay for everything. So they feel like they can spend more money. And then it's like, OK, they don't get debt in one place, but then they create it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You were disciplined. And, and not only were you trying to earn money, but you were trying to save money. It's extremely impressive. Like, how did that carry over into, you know, once you were working as an adult, you know, did you carry on with that? Was that, was it difficult making the transition into investing over just saving? How, how much did your perspective have to change at that point? I would love to tell you guys that I have always been perfect with money. <laughs> um, oh when I got my first job, I literally turned into a complete moron because all oh, of a no. sudden you had money. I had money and like a yeah. lot of it, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm rich. Like, oh, it's on. Like we are hitting the club. I am getting a table. Like, I, Oh, wow. Like, you went I was, big. I was an idiot, idiot. Um, <laughs> you also, to so, be fair, to be fair, you were probably under 25. Your prefrontal cortex was not fully formed. Oh, no, absolutely like, not. Fair. And <laughs> like, there was no you. one to tell you, you can't have the candy this time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, the thing I was doing, like I was so focused on like saving and getting my own money in college. And like, there mm. were so few opportunities. Mm. Like I'm like taking research studies for like 15, 20 bucks an hour. And right. you know, that's my money. But like, for the most part, like my parents were helping me out. And like my parents, 
thank them so much for this, but they're annoying. Like they would call me and be like, what is this $40 charge? And I'm oh like, my God, yeah. like uh, you know, I'd have to be able to justify like, mm, yeah, that's the bookstore and not like some bar I was at. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as soon as I started making my own money, I was like, my parents can no longer see what's happening in my bank account. Mm, you know, this money, yeah. I had to sit at a desk. Every penny is mine. Every dollar I earned is mine. And I started spending money in ways that, you know, transparently, like I kind of regret. Mm-hmm. I I bought a lot of dumb designer stuff to keep up with the Joneses oh, because you I was were like, oh. in New York. Yeah. And I was like, you yeah. know what would be amazing? A pair of Christian Louboutin shoes. You know Ooh. what's not amazing? Walking the streets of New York, New York. and getting your heel stuck in a subway grate. Totally. Going into the subway on those things. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let me just like literally like try to like fireman like pull down my way down the subway stairs. Like sick. Um, no, but like I think I had a really tough relationship with money. And mm. then I had kind of like a traumatic money moment where I moved into an apartment with my roommate and she and I had lived in our first apartment together. We lived well together. We were like, we're going to live together again. Mm. We were like, you know, we're into our second years of our careers. Like we should live downtown. It'll be closer to the bars. Like stupid, but whatever. And we moved into this apartment and I ended up going back to U Chicago for like alumni weekend or something. And I get this call from her and she's like, Hey, like when you get back, like we really need to sit down and talk. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, first of all, I'm a millennial. Like you've immediately ruined my weekend. Just tell me. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. We should just like talk when you get back. I'm like, okay. Like That's I get back and she sits me down and she's like, okay. And I'm like, are you mad at me? And she's like, no, 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 no. It's not anything like that. And I'm like, what's up? And she goes, well, while you were gone, I slept in the apartment one night and I went to the bathroom and it was like midnight and I flicked on the lights and I saw a thousand little things scurry away. Oh. <gasps> nope. Uh-uh. No to we, that. Yes. We <laughs> lit we ended up moving into an apartment that had a cockroach infestation. Uh you know, and That's I'm sure as you know, like landlords in New York City are absolute sharks. The um, worst. Literally the worst. Yep. Um, Been there. And <laughs> they wouldn't let us out of our lease. And we ended up spending $8,000 to break our lease. And it wiped every dollar I had saved from my first year bonus. Oh, my um, God. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I really need to have, like, a mental reset here because I have now worked a full year and I'm no better off than I was yeah. when I moved to New York City. Yeah, no. Unacceptable. I'm sorry. That was their fault. You can't sue that. Like, oh, get, I'm well what? aware. Um, <laughs> How does this happen? Well, the thing is, is like, you know, we spoke to friends who were in law school. We spoke to friends who had parents who were actual attorneys. And the thing is, is like, we could have sued. But the time and nah, the effort energy. and the fees to more have 8, sued 000, yeah. would have probably been more than $8,000. And at that yeah. point, is it like, is it really worth the heartache right. to do that and then drag this out? Or do we cut our losses, you know, learn a really good lesson, swear oh. to never rent from this property manager ever again. Yes. And move on. And I, and I think for both of us, we were ready to just move on. Makes total sense. And obviously, it sounds traumatic on multiple levels, but it sounds like it also was a catalyst for some sort of mindset shift. So then what, what happened from there? Were you just yeah. like, no, that never again? I was like, never again. Fortunately... I was already contributing the 
maximum amount for company match at the mm-hmm. time. So like I still had money that was quote unquote being invested, having savings. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't readily accessible because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't touch that money until I turn 59 and a half. Otherwise I'm going to pay that penalty. Right. Right. So at least I'm like, okay, so like I am not really, really down on my luck. Like I still have that, but like I don't have that much in my bank right now. And like, I'm not feeling great. So mm-hmm. I really tightened the belt over the next few months you know, kind of followed my own path of like, okay, I need to have three to six months of living expenses set aside. And once I had that, every additional dollar I put into index funds, I was like, we got to start doing this because I'm doing a bad job with my money. And the fact that something as small as having to break my lease can completely wipe me out is terrifying. Mm. Cause like, what if that fee had been $10,000 or $12,000? Like I would have had to call my parents tail between my legs and ask them for money. And I was not going to be doing that again. Like after the full shame of the $25 jeans incident, which I'm never letting go. I like, I'm never doing that again. I do not want to ask them for money. And like, especially when you have parents awesome as mine paid for college, like I could not have asked for more. And then on top of that, like, you know, when I got this amazing wall street job, it was like claps all around for Vivian. Like she Mm, crushed it. She's going to be so amazing, you know, making this big, big bucks, like wolf of wall street. Like everybody jokes, (laughs) but like, I was like, I cannot be the wall street trader who then has to call mom and dad for a bailout. Like that just would have been too embarrassing for me. And I feel like my money journey literally started out of a place of like, sheer embarrassment and shame and like being really really scared that i was gonna have to ask my parents for money yeah i mean whatever the catalyst needs to be let it be that like and you didn't and you didn't in the end so yeah right (laughs) thankfully i'm much much more financially stable financially successful now and like after i graduated after the day i you know walked across that stage with that stupid cardboard hat on (laughs) i have not had to ask my parents for a dollar and I've actually in fact been able to like take them out to nice fancy dinners and like buy my mom Christmas gifts whatever I was gonna ask now you know after this catastrophe and and being shaken out of you know the baller lifestyle what now do you do because I I have friends you know they're they're married they have kids and you know learning how to manage money and things like that. And there's this stress that builds when all you do is save and all you do is stack. To me, one of the things my dad taught me is like, yes, save your money. You know, yes, be prepared for the future. But you're working hard for this money. At some point, you should probably enjoy it. So, you know, I was going to ask, like, do you still have the opportunity to take trips and enjoy time with your family and, you know, treat your parents and stuff like that? Yes, 100 percent. I, for the time, that time being, I started to quote unquote, pay myself first. Every time I got a paycheck, I would move a certain amount of money into my savings account. I can't even remember what it was. I think I started with like $200 every paycheck cycle. Mm. And then it became $500. And by the end of the next month, I'd be like, if I have any additional dollars, those are just going to savings. Sorry. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it would just be like, any additional money is saved. And it felt so good to see that number get bigger yeah. and bigger. Oh, yeah. It's cathartic. And, <laughs> and, and even now, like, I feel like the one thing that I've done such a good job of 
is avoiding lifestyle creep. You know, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it's hard in New York too. Yeah, it's really hard because like you start making a little bit more money and you start wanting to spend a lot more money. And right. for me, as my, you know, I, I think I've done a really strong job in negotiating my pay. And what's that's that's amazing because you can only save as much as you earn, but you can always earn more money. And right. I've yes. done a pretty good job of, you know, increase the amount I make every single year by, you know, 50%. And, Ooh. you know, your girl's asking Incredible. for what she deserves. Yeah, yeah. do it up. Yes. Applause all uh, around. Part of the game. Yeah. It's amazing. And with that, you know, my rent costs up until obviously we recently just bought a home. So that was an enormous cash outflow. But like right. before that, like my rent was only a few hundred dollars more than what I paid when I first moved to New York. So like I kept, I tried to keep those costs really stable. My, you know, food costs didn't change that much. Like I didn't all of a sudden become Michael Phelps and need to consume 7,000 calories a day. (laughs) But, you know, I think I tried to keep those costs really stable. And like, as for buying clothing, like I've always been a lover of shopping, I have, I'm obsessed with shoes, obsessed with bags, like who could blame me? Um, <laughs> but I've started to really focus on quality over quantity. Nice. Um, if I'm going to buy a really nice cashmere sweater, like I'll get it from a store brand. It's still a hundred percent cashmere, same quality versus getting some designer thing. And like in the same way, it's like, you know, I'm buying these leather shoes that are going to last me four or five years versus mm. a pair of like cheaper mm-hmm. pleather shoes <laughs> right that, yeah. that'll only last me a season or two after i walk them all through the subway grades <laughs> yes. um yes. so i think just the way i spent money changed and then um this is definitely like a very niche new york thing but like me and my boyfriend when we met <laughs> i was going through the cockroach fiasco and oh man I, I like lived with him for a month before we could get out of that lease and you know, we were only dating for a month at that point, but like we lived so well together. We were like, all right, well, like let's get in on those economies of scale. And like, hey. we've been together almost five years now. And like, we joke about it. We were like, we met and 30 days later we were roommates. Like that yes. only happens in a place like New York city where the rent is so high and you're trying to look for discounts. You have cockroaches. You can get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. It's amazing. But the, the best part about this is like, okay, so you went through this journey and you, I see how you've shifted. You have shifted, uh, you kind of deepened your understanding from your parents, but you also had your own events and, and uh, ups and downs in your own personal experience as an adult. But then you started talking about money and teaching people about money publicly. Mm. So can you tell us how you got, like what happened from the cockroach moment to <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah. Other than I, this lovely boyfriend and a new, uh, and buying a place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked on wall street for, I would say a little over two years and I came to the realization that one, the money w- wasn't like it was in the eighties or the nineties. Mm. And I was not going to make the kind of money that, you know, had initially drawn me to Wall Street. And then on top of that, you know, knowing that there were so much technological advancement, you know, algorithms, quantitative trading, high frequency trading being developed, like my career trajectory felt dampened. That like eventually a computer was going to take my job and they were going to be able to do it faster and for cheaper than I was going to be willing to do it. So I ended up leaving for the tech and media industry and 
when I got there, all of my new friends were like, help me balance my 401k. And like, what health insurance did you pick? And I was like, well, you know, first of all, like you've got two kids, a significant other, and like live in, you know, the suburbs, like we should not be picked. And at the time I was like, you know, 24 and single as a Pringle and like had no responsibilities in my life. I was like, we should not be picking the same health insurance. Oh, no, um, not at all. Not, yeah. not if you're living in Long Island. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, well, you know, these people don't really seem to know a lot about personal finance. But mm. what made me laugh is like when I was on Wall Street, again, I was a single young woman in the city of New York. I was going on dates. And like, it's funny enough, the, the people that I felt most connected to and identified closely with were other people working in finance. Because like, I never had to explain to them why I would have to cancel a date last minute. I right. never had yeah. to explain to them like why my hours were the way they were. And I went on some dates with you know, guys that were like around my age and, you know, they also did similar jobs to me. So Mm. I'm like, okay, like I have a rough idea of like what you're making, but like (laughs) you're wearing a Rolex and have like crazy, like fancy Gucci shoes. And like, Hmm. you're really balling out right now. And like, I live in a 650 square foot studio with another girl. So like, (laughs) what's going on here? It's happening. And you know, I think people like have a few drinks and some, like some one guy even slipped. He was like, Oh yeah. Like I have five figure credit card debt. And I like, I almost jumped out of my skin. I was like, no, Oh no. Like, (laughs) Good to know you're not going to have a second date, but but you <laughs> yeah. know, sorry for him too. I, I think that's interesting because that goes back to what you experienced in childhood. You know, these people riding up in these BMWs and these Lexuses and all of this. But then when it comes college time, not everyone could make those moves that they should be able to make based on what their yeah. apparent income was. So apparently yeah. this doesn't go away for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, it kind of made me realize I was like, okay, so people who work in Wall Street in high finance, like don't really get personal finance. Mm. People who don't work, people who work outside of finance don't get personal finance. I was like, who, who understands how to do this? Like, why is this not taught in school? Why? Why? And yeah, exactly. It's like, why? Like, why don't we teach this to our young people? Mm. And like, how often in your life have you had to use like A squared plus B squared equals C squared? Oh my God. Never. (laughs) Literally, no, like the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I get it. I but like, that. you know, like I, I've never had to use that. Um, and, oh, you know, incredible. I think it all came to a head when during COVID and during quarantine, I was seeing some real shady stuff on mm. the internet about yeah. people being like, join this sketchy MLM and like you can have yeah. like in, yeah. like make money from home. And it's like, okay, yeah. like yeah. Sick, don't prey on stay at home moms who could really use the extra income right now. And so I was like, oh, well, like I'll start making videos. And I really thought it was going to be like my seven coworkers and like like my friend, (laughs) like watching me. And overnight, very first video went viral. And I'm like, okay, so like more than my seven coworkers are currently watching this video. Yes. And I had a little bit of a, oh man, moment where I was like, so I guess I have to like make content. Now. <laughs> and it's been a little over a year since then. And I've put out a pretty much a video every single day. And like the channel just really took off. Amazing. I love Incredible. It. I have like side questions about like, do you do content every day or do you like stack it and do a bunch in one go? Or like, I have other questions about that. Yeah, Cause that's a I'm, lot of commitment. Yeah. It's a huge commitment, but I batch create on the weekend so that I can release content during the week. And yeah. it's not too heavy of a lift that way. It's like mm. not something I have to think about every day. But yeah, I think it's just something that 
has become a very big passion of mine. I'm like, so it, it, you know, I think building a channel one in itself is super fun. Everybody's going after that dopamine high of like, oh my gosh, like more followers. (laughs) But like, but I've gotten messages from people that are like, you told me about this website to like look for money that like I may not have known that I'm missing. And I found out that like my late partner had a life insurance policy and he passed away and I didn't realize I was the beneficiary. I moved and they couldn't contact me. (gasps) Just so you know, your video caused me to go look at that website and I'm about to receive a life changing amount of money. And it's all because of you. And it's amazing. Like how often in your life are you able to change someone else's so much? In such a tangible way. Like totally. And for her to like, you know, message me that and tell me that, like it like made me kind of like like it made me like happy sad. But like right. it, yeah. yeah. Like I was like I, I like cried some happy tears because I was like, <laughs> Yeah. This person went through such like a devastating loss, but then to know that, you know, her significant other was trying to take care of her right like in this life or the next and for her to now be able to have that Mm. and her not even know she had that like it very literally will change her life i could cry happy tears (laughs) sad happy tears you know that's dope it's it's so cool yeah i want to hear more about like the outpouring and kind of people's response and what you've learned about like the demographics you serve and like what they know but i actually i also want to know how creating this channel has changed your relationship with money and your the way you think about money now you know i think it's forced me to even look into different types of financial situations that i wasn't a part of you know like yeah. i create so much content on student debt even without having some of my own oh, wow. and yeah, it's a burden. It's a major burden. It for you. is a major burden for the vast majority of people. Right. And yeah. it is crazy to me that at 17 or 18, we are allowed to sign a piece of paper that is like, yeah, like I'll be good for like 100 G's yeah. in like, you know, But you can't start years. a business at that age. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't get a rent-a-car. You can't get like, you know, <laughs> you can't like if you're 17, you can't even vote. Like, right. You can't like you can't have a beer and you can sign up for a hundred thousand dollars of debt. Like which one of those feels mm-hmm. like marginally more dangerous. Super um, scammy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, knowing that, you know, when I get comments, like I do try to read a lot of them. I can't respond to all of them just cause like there's so many, but like I do try to read them and a lot of them yeah. say similar things. Like I have felt very like left behind from the financial system. Like, no one taught me this. Like, can I still go on vacation if I have debt? And like, I'm ready to be that person to be like, you can have it all. This is not, you know, this is not the wedding diet. We are not eating salad every single day for the next 365 days. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Like it is okay Mm -hmm. to have a French fry. And by that, I mean, it is okay to spend your money on something to treat yourself. It is okay to make a money mistake, but don't make two money mistakes in a row. Like don't make that same mistake again. We're learning, we're growing. And, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And I also think that like in college, I had a very like jaded view of like, why don't people pull themselves up by the bootstraps? And then when, and listen, like I, if I could take it back, I would, but like, I, 
I was like, why don't these people just like work harder? Like, and then I get to the workforce and I'm like, I cannot work harder. Like I'm tired. It's um, impossible. My body. I'm, yeah. I'm like, it's, I like don't want to go to work and cook dinner. Like one or the other, like please choose. <laughs> yes. So I think it, it's helped me really, really come to the realization that like, dang, life, like life's hard and like people are going through it. And yeah. I think yeah. it's really important to be compassionate in a way that, you know, younger me may not have been. Totally. And I just love to grow from that. I, I think it's so dope in that statement. Like, I love the saying, be who you needed when you were younger. And yeah. it's it's interesting because you might not have needed you. You seem like you were in a pretty good place, but there's a lot of younger yous out there who totally need what you're doing. And the fact that you're using TikTok mm-hmm. as a platform to do it, so many kids are going to be able to learn things from you. I mean, adults too, of course, but there's going to be so many kids that are going to avoid so many of the pitfalls of money management growing up just because they got to see your videos. And, you know, like you said, this isn't taught in school. This isn't available, you know, I mean, it's out there, but it's not given to us as it should be. So the fact that you put it in this perfectly digestible, you know, size, nice little snack size, is yeah. is just so dope like you know yeah. again you're awesome for that <laughs> and you make it fun i think that's the most like like i <laughs> legit laugh at and <laughs> in a good way like this is actually entertaining too i'm wondering okay last question and then i'm kenneth i i'm happy for you to do quick takes yeah yes. uh what do you think is your next big money move like we've heard all the way up to now you're rocking your your tech job and this incredible, you know, a uh, business that you have on TikTok for financial literacy. But what's the next? And you just bought a house. But mm-hmm. next big thing, like, do you have something you're kind of aiming for? Oh, I knew this question was going to come up. Um, <laughs> this is like so awkward, and like I don't want to like jinx it, but like I would love to, you know, get married soon in the near yes. future. And let me tell you, the costs of getting married seem ridiculous to me. Astronomical. <laughs> um, from everything from the engagement ring to the venue to the flowers to the food to inviting all the family members that you don't even like. And like, <laughs> you know, yes. I just think that's definitely a money thing that has been on my mind. And I also think on a lot of young people's minds they're like can I afford to get married or like am I gonna have to pick you know there's that literal Netflix show marriage or mortgage Um, and I'm like you know I think I think that just like is a is a point of like a life milestone that I'm probably getting to Mm. that I'm gonna have to start thinking about a lot more seriously in the in the coming months Yeah, it's real. So I, you know, not that I am the one to emulate, but my ex-husband and I went to Madagascar and got married and we had like three, it was fabulous. You can't do that though. Like you have family and people and all these things, but mainly I was like, I'm not spending a hundred thousand dollars on a wedding, but Madagascar looks really cool. Let's go like (laughs) hang out with some lemurs. (laughs) So you can do, there are so many ways of doing it. (laughs) I was going to say, you could also do it my way. I've been in a relationship for almost 16 years. And we ain't getting married. Like, yeah. Is that because wow. I never asked you that, Kenneth? Is that because of this ridiculous cost and it's just not worth it? Or is there like something else? There's so many things. Like I mm-hmm. I don't need a piece of paper to signify my love. I don't need I'm gonna get her a ring because she just wants a ring. So I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Um 
I, I just I don't see outside of the legalities of it. You know, um, yeah. if I get to a point where, let's say, my music career takes off, record labels making all kinds of money and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I, I need to make sure that she's going to be taken care of if something happens to me. But as of right now, I don't have anything. Neither does she. That's kind of cool where we're at. Like, I also think it's. I also think it's kind of silly to even get married. But like, I think it's like a very big thing to you want to do in if you're going to start making some really big financial moves together. And I Mm, think the biggest one being children, not even having of children, children, but like, God forbid anything happens, you get to the hospital if you're not married, like. Mm. you may not even be able to make any of those medical decisions that need to be made in yeah. a dire situation. And like that to yeah. me is really terrifying, but mm. like the, the prospect of like, Oh, I like this person so much. I'm going to get the government involved. is like a little <laughs> weird. Yes. Aziz Ansari had a whole like stand up yeah. thing about that. Yes. And I was just like, you know what? He's right. This does sound crazy. <laughs> like why? Yes. Yes. Oh, <clears throat> uh, well, think this has been such an amazing thing to hear your money story. We have a last segment where we do quick takes. Like, oh, yes. would you rather? So you ready? Like Kenneth is ready. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So you lived in New York and you lived in DC. Which one's better? Oh, New York by far, by far. Oh, what? Are you serious? That's insane. Yeah. Oh, man. I agree with that. Why? But why? Uh, there's, I mean, like, I was also a young person in, you know, the suburbs of DC with, like, mm. no agency, yeah, couldn't do anything mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I'm in New York City now, and, like, the city is my playground. I can go eat at whatever restaurant I want to. Like, I can take my friends out to whatever concert. We can go through the park. It's just, there's so much to do. And, like, I really do believe this, but, like, the city is, like, my backyard. Yes, that's incredible. Fine, I, I guess it. that sounds legit. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Netflix or Hulu? Ooh. Right? Ah, <laughs> I like them both, and I have them both, and I watch them both, but probably I would have to say the OG Netflix. Yes. Really? Everyone goes back to that one, I is it, is it for the original content? Is it the movies? Yeah, oh, it, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, oh, they, yeah. no, no one has, like, I'm huge in the like asian culture and stuff like that i love like korean dramas and yes. stuff so yeah hulu can't touch them on that one so yeah I feel what do you bump. like on hulu though viv i actually i'm 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 debating if i get it okay so like netflix is like active watching like i put my phone away and i'm watching mm. and then like hulu is like passive watching so like i can mm. like work or like write up a script for a tiktok video while i watch like season one episode seven of like love island australia and like it's not something that i have to like actively focus on because like i just need to hit the major points and i will be able to follow along and like i love trash reality television and like who has all of it there you go all right they have every every episode of catfish it is just oh my god (laughs) um okay um all right so let's get into the to the big one let's do the big one okay Okay, would you rather have a million dollars or $50 million, but with a mime permanently following you everywhere you went? And I, like, can't, like, put the mime in a box or, like, do anything. No, no, no. He's with you for life. That's your homie now. Permanent with you. 
I think I'm in a very lucky position in that I probably think I can like make $50 million in my lifetime through investing, through whatever. So I'll take the million, I'll invest it. I don't have, I don't need to have this mime following me. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that would drive me nuts. Like probably really creepy. I like really don't like mimes or clowns or like anything of that sort. Yeah. Right. No. Right. No, no, no. So amazing. <laughs> you can see like definitely the people the personalities that are like no. I was like that. And then we had a woman on from Vegas who's like of course you take the mime. Like she lived in Vegas. Like there are people that are miming. She didn't everywhere. even want the $15 million. She was like, just give me no, the mime. She, she like, I want the mime. That's all I want. I'll make money off the mime. Right. Right. I can just walk down the strip and people will throw money at me. It's but fine. Me, right. But I'm like, no, give me the million and let's make more money. That's an entrepreneur for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Viv, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on the big wide world of social media? You can find me as Your Rich BFF on both TikTok and Instagram. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. It's been truly a pleasure. And thank you for your service to humanity. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Nabbit Podcast, where we share money stories. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with your friends. See you on the next episode.